welcome to another edition of the Standing Room Only Podcast. Yes, I am your host, Ben Standing. Uh, I cover the Washington football team for The Athletic, which means today I was back in Ashburn, Wednesday practice ahead of the Week 17 game against the Philadelphia Eagles. The Washington football team still has things to play for. They do. There's a 6% chance that they can still make the playoffs and, uh, you know, crazier things have happened. So we'll see how that goes. Either way, they're going to play this game, we presume, <laughs> on Sunday against the Eagles. And I'm going to share some quick thoughts about practice uh, and some other notes about the team uh, before I get into my fun interview today. My, not most an interview, more of a, of a, of a chat of a look back at the 2021 year in Washington football team. So not just the season, though mostly the season, but the year in total. Uh, because, look, it is December 29th. The the calendar is going to flip to 2022 pretty quickly now. So I wanted to look back, and to help me do that, I had a really fun panel Uh some some uh, some guys who have all covered this team. Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times Dispatch at Michael P R T D on Twitter. Stephen Wino from the Associated Press at S Wino on Twitter, and our friend Brian McNally from NBC Sports Washington B McNally fourteen on Twitter. Uh, we went over a bunch of. I came up with a bunch of categories. Came up with nominees, and we all had fun and debate and debated. What we thought about them, things like best or not best player of the year, play of the year, questionable football decision of the year, Ron Rivera moment of the year. Uh, this organization, we got to be kidding me, moment of the year, random guy of the year, and a whole bunch more. So a really fun conversation. A look back at the year that made this team, what we're going to remember from it. And of course, by doing so, we all start to spin ahead as well as to what things uh, things to keep an eye on going forward and how this year is going to shape what's to come for the Washington football team. So we'll get to all that here in just a moment on the Standard Room Only podcast. You know the deal. You can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, the Athletic app if you're a subscriber or anywhere else you do your podcasting. Uh, if you actually just note, if you have not yet subscribed to The Athletic, there's currently a deal. I believe it is uh, 24 months, $2 a month. If you, if you subscribe for 24 months, if you go click on one of my articles, uh, I've got a couple, two up this week. I'll have another one up by the end of this week as well. Um, if you happen to be catching this later in the week. So if you go, go do that, you should see the opportunity there to sign up, do that. Great. Fantastic. Um, so that's, so that's, what's going on there. Uh, let me just get to some quick notes about, the team going into this uh, game before we get to the conversation. Obviously, uh, a lot's focusing on the, the quarterback situation because Ron Rivera told us the other day that Kyle Allen may, act, in fact, play, not just because of injury or not because their team is getting blown out, but on purpose um, somewhere are these last two games. Now, Taylor Heineke will start. And look, again, Washington is going to try to win these games. So based on that, if Washington comes out and, and looks good against the Eagles, Taylor Heineke may finish things off, but if there are some wobbles and struggles, he obviously has labored the last two starts, uh, both against Dallas, then it seems like Rivera may decide to give Kyle Allen some work as well. I don't think this is going to about changing hearts and minds. He's obviously taken a long look at Kyle Allen. Nonetheless, um, give, give that guy a chance to get out there and play a bit. 
So that's that. Uh, Sam Cosby was out today with an illness. William Jackson remained sidelined with a calf injury. Uh, Antonio Gibson, Curtis Samuel, both questionable um, with toe and hamstring injuries, respectively. Those are some of the guys we'll be keeping an eye on the rest of this week. We'll also note that Montez Sweat was not at practice today. We were told initially it was personal reasons and then came to find out the sad news that Montez Sweat, his brother, Anthony, 27 uh, was killed he, in a in a shooting just outside of Richmond um, on Tuesday. Uh, very sad news. Uh, condolences go out to Montez Sweat and his and his family. This, of course, comes on the heels of DeShazer Everett being the driver of a fatal car accident last week that killed a 29 year old young woman, Olivia Peters, uh, who's from Rockville. Um, two two tragedies there for sure. The, the loss of life. Um, and, you know, that alone would be enough to rock people. Uh, and on top of it, Washington is dealing as an organization. They had the COVID outbreak. The year is kind of getting away from them. They're coming off this frustrating game against Dallas. There is a lot going on over here. Um, again, our best go out to the families. Um, involved for sure what this means for Montez Sweat this week. I have no idea at this point. I presumably will hear more later. But obviously, his mind has got to be elsewhere and totally understandable. Uh for sure. So we'll see about that. Uh, Washington, Philly, Sunday at FedEx Field, then the season finale in week 18 at the New York Giants. Um, lastly, before we get to the interview or the conversation with these guys about 2021, uh, just, of course, a quick note that uh, the legendary coach, broadcaster, uh, person whose name is on the video game that we all love, John Madden, passed away Tuesday at the age of 85. I tweeted a bunch about this yesterday. There's a lot of good stories and columns and and and, and memories of, of John Madden, and, and I'm not going to sum it all up here. But obviously, what has stood out to me in listening to everybody talk about him, I went back also read, or sorry, I went back and watched the All Madden documentary that was on FS1 over the weekend. The timing of that was just crazy. And it is really how this guy had three different football lives, essentially, as the coach, the Super Bowl winning coach who has the all-time best winning percentage for anybody who's coached at least 10 years, the broadcaster where he was the greatest analyst in any sport, I would say, and I think others would as well, and then his name is on this video game, and it wasn't just stuck on the game, he was involved. He tried, you know, in seeing the documentary that was on FS1, he told... Uh, EA Sports that no 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 we're, if we're gonna do this we're gonna do it right it's gonna be eleven on eleven it's going to it's going to mirror football and obviously I think for all of us who did who played the game for years and years and years it did just that it does just that it keeps going the game is still being played by a, by an entirely new generation who may not even be aware he was a broadcaster let alone that he was you know one of the best coaches ever um, he was the broad he was the analyst of my childhood my my adolescence because the Washington well, then the Washington Redskins, and being an NFC team, were on CBS. They had the rights, which meant John Madden and Pat Summerall did their games. And because Washington was really good in that era under Joe Gibbs, there were a lot of big games, particularly against the NFC teams. And, you know, I went back. One of the clips I saw was of John Madden and Summerall doing the 1982 uh, NFC Championship game, which for me, other than the first Super Bowl win, is maybe my favorite game because it wasn't just – Getting to the Super Bowl, it was beating Dallas. Um, you know, it was getting you know it, it was getting over a hump that a lot of us I don't think really thought was conceivable at that time. Um, 
and to have those guys be the voices of those games. And John Madden spoke with such passion. You know, he really was, he was the first person to have like a telestrator to just show you the play. And, you know, basically he was an early advanced a film breakdown guy. He was doing it in real time, therefore showing us about the pulling guard and, and, and where the receiver was going and what the quarterback is seeing. And, you know, he also had such an appreciation for the offensive line. And he really did explain to everybody why the offensive line and the defensive line and why that was so important. It wasn't just the quarterback and the running back. And because obviously Washington had the hogs, it meant even that much more. He was had such passion and such joy for what he did. And that came across in his broadcast and he had educated, you know, generations of football fans and does so uh i guess you could say to this day with the clips on youtube as well as you know the games themselves uh his legacy carries on so obviously you can go read some of my colleagues in the athletic uh particularly those in the bay area did a great job uh sharing their thoughts and and their memories of john madden and there's other stories out there as well i read peter king's um Peter King, you know, John Madden famously did not fly by plane. He took a bus across the country. Peter King um, rode with John Madden. I forget what year it was, but when he was at Sports Illustrated, rode from California all the way to New York. And, um, you know, it's just, just, just an interesting guy. He really appreciated life. He really appreciated football for, for all the intricacies. And that came across in his commentary. And, um, and you know, what a life. And he touched so many people. And, he will be missed, absolutely, and yet the legacy will continue, if nothing else, through this video game. But for those of us who were there th- throughout his broadcast career, and, and I, I, to those who go back even further to the coaching career, you know, he's not, he, he will never be forgotten. So, uh, rest in peace, John Madden. Um, and, um, you know, what, what, what can you say? What, what, what a life. And, uh, you know, he will be remembered fondly without question about that. All right. Um, let's get to it. Here's my conversation with. Michael Phillips, Stephen Wino, Brian McNally. A look back, the 2021 Washington football team. Our thoughts on yet another wild, crazy year for this organization. Let's do that right now here on the Standard Room Only Podcast. All right, so I had a decision to make. The season is not officially over yet. There's two games to go, and there is still a chance they could make the playoffs. Not a great one, but there is a chance. Uh, meanwhile, uh, the calendar tells me that 2021 is coming to an end uh, in a couple of days here. So I decided I have the decision. Do I wait until after the season to sort of recap things or do I go with the calendar? And I decided we're going to go with the calendar. So the next this segment is going to be about things that happened in the year 2021 from January till now. And here to help me do that, I basically took a text thread and brought it to life here. With, I got three people with me, not one, not two, three other people. First off. First time on this podcast, but not a stranger to anybody who is familiar with the Washington football team beat, not to mention a, a little venture once upon a time called the Sports Capital, NBC Sports Washington's own Brian McNally. So I had the people, Brian. What's good, everybody? Happy uh, end of 2021. Let's get uh, out of here. Let's, let's do that. All right. Uh, returning to the podcast, obviously all Washington uh, Capitals fans, hockey fans around the world. Know his know his coverage. He also covers the Washington football team for the Athletic. He is uh, also a man with his own podcast, Stephen Wino. I'm just a podcast for it, Ben. That's all I am at this point. Oh, well, that 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 works out perfectly. And speaking of that, our returning champion, he is. Uh, I mean, I, I, at this point, I believe he's <laughs> got to be in the mix for most appearances on this podcast. If, if, if it's not, 
The other person has been on way a ton themselves. He is from the Richmond Times Dispatch, Michael Phillips. Thank you. Nice to be here. Um, fellas, I appreciate everybody's time. Uh, there is a ton to digest, and that's just in the last two weeks uh, about this team. We don't even have to go back the whole year to have a, a lot of interesting conversations about the team. The last couple of weeks alone have been uh, off the charts crazy. Uh, w- rather than focus on just now, we'll get into what's happened over here in the last couple of weeks. I thought we'll just dive in. I've got a bunch of categories. I came up with the nominations. You guys will tell me what, what, what you think, what I'm forgetting, or whatever else. Are, are you ready for this venture, adventure, this trip down memory lane for the Washington football team of 2021? Never been more ready. Never been more ready. I like I like the enthusiasm. All right, Brian, I'll, I'll let you answer this one first. Player of the year. Now, I'm not saying most valuable. I'm not saying who you'll remember most, but you can determine however you want. But here are the three nominees that I came up with just for this calendar year. Defensive alignment, Jonathan Allen. He, he signed a contract extension. He has, uh, he, he's, he's, he's established himself as the best, at a minimum, the best defensive player, I would say, on this team. He's uh, had a, a, very, a very good year. The quarterback, Taylor Heineke, obviously, we, we know his story, but the year starts with him going head toe-to-toe with Tom Brady, coming off his, his sister's couch. And they end up starting pretty much the whole season with Ryan Fitzpatrick out and kids watching a chance to make the postseason. And then Terry McLaurin, I would argue, you know, he's their best offensive player. Uh, obviously, you know, day in, day out, he's he's just a, a top-notch player. Very good quote for us who, who care about such things. So those are my three nominees. Player of the year, Brian, if you want to go first, who stands out to you in that category? I think I go John Allen. I'll, I'll just jump into it. Uh, whatever the whatever the football team becomes in its next iteration, you've signed that guy for a couple of years, right? He, he's under contract. He performed in his first year under contract. Um, and the the tone and personality of whatever this team becomes, if it takes on that guy's personality, regardless of what happened this weekend and um, you know, getting in <laughs> fights with ex-college teammates and all that kind of stuff. To me, he's got the edge um, and and the performance now to back it up. Yeah, he's he's my player of the year. He is the guy I would pick and say, whatever I want to become, that John Allen has it. And and the other two don't, I mean, McLaurin especially, obviously you can easily make that argument. Heineke less so because we're just unsure of, of the future there. Like what's the ceiling and all that stuff. But I'll let you guys kind of argue that part out. But, but to me, it's, it's Allen making the, making the jump and then doing it while, you know, that defensive line wasn't exactly reliable with him. The people that were supposed to, to be his guys, you know, Chase got hurt and uh, Montez sweat wasn't always available, obviously, especially later in the season. I, I go Allen all the way. Yeah, it's, it's clearly Allen. I made this point before, but they've got an interesting situation next year when Chase Young comes back. Because what we saw once Chase Young left is that Jonathan Allen is the true heart and soul of this defense. He He's the captain. He's the one who should be wearing the C. He's the one who should be firing everybody up. Now, somebody in that in that office in Ashburn said, we ought to print tickets with Chase Young's face on him. You know, we got to make sure he's wearing the C. Chase Young isn't the true captain of that defense. If you're talking about who the players respect as the captain, it's John Allen. That's what we've learned this year. 
Yeah, and 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 Michael, I, I think it's almost it's almost like a capital situation in that not to dream this back to hockey, but who the players see as the leader and who's the face to the fans can be different things, right? I mean, I think I, I do think Jonathan Allen, and I'm going to make this unanimous uh, among the three of us that, that Jonathan Allen is the player of the year, and he gives them a puncher's chance at being competitive next year, uh, well, just because of uh, yeah, just just because <laughs> of, of what he can do. Uh, and 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 he is a he is a leadership guy. He is the guy that, that players in that defense, and not just the defense. The team in general rally around. It, it's a Pro Bowl starter. Uh, and and when he melted down, the team melted down. So I think he, as the team, as Jonathan Allen goes, this team can go. I'm I'm not going to zag. To zag. Oh, hold on, you're you're Mr. Zag. You love no, this. This is this is the contrarian. This is the no. contrarian standing time. Well, I'm just saying, if I'm gonna when I look back, I mean, again, you can define the season however you want. That's what I said. But if you're if I'm gonna define this for myself, like what am I gonna think about when I look back? I think I'm going to go with Taylor Heineke because, again, the Tom Brady game was this calendar year. I know it was last season, but it was this calendar year. That was the top moment for this franchise, sadly, for in a loss for, you know, I don't know for, for how long. And then he comes in and basically, you know, I know we're talking at a point where he he looked terrible in the two Dallas games, but he basically saved the season early on with coming off the bench just to play well with Fitzpatrick, the, the, the showing against the Giants. And, and the Falcons to get, you know, even it up. And then during the four game winning streak. So I, I just feel like Taylor Heineke is the more memorable piece of this for me. I mean, Jonathan, the, I can't argue as the player in terms of like just the best player. I just, I don't know. I just feel like Heineke for what he stands for, I, I feel is, is more memorable. And that's kind of how in my head, I, I thought about this. Under your logic, isn't Ryan Fitzpatrick the player of the year, just because of what could have been now. He's the player of the year in like the uh, in the in the TV show community when they show the various like uh, alternate timelines. Like in the various <laughs> timelines, Ryan Fitzpatrick could easily have been the player of the year. I mean, imagine all the all the all the jokes, the comments, the random thoughts we didn't get. I think we were the big losers on that front. Although we didn't get, then we got Taylor Heineke though. All right, I'll give you I'll give you my hottest take then. I think Taylor Heineke was better in press conferences this year than Fitzpatrick would have been. Uh, I'm with you. I think other than the the facial hair, I think we got a very close proximity to what Ryan Fitzpatrick experience would have been minus the facial hair and all the, all the uh, anecdotes about children. Yeah, well, we have more anecdotes about beer and we got to see him flip through veg pizza and say, I don't want veggie pizza. So that was worth it to me more than the talk about kids. Right. We, right. we got to watch the evolution of this guy get like endorsements live while we're sitting in the room. <laughs> commenting about how come Heineken's not working this ad for you already. And then like, while we're sitting there, he got a Bud, a Bud Light endorsement. T- Taylor Heineke is, is a professional football player. You think about like Chase Young, Jonathan Allen, like freaks of nature, like professional football players. And yet he is such a man of the people that he was going to eat our free Papa John's pizza when we offered it to him, except <laughs> that it was just cheese and cheese sucks. That's a man of the people right there. <laughs> This is what we said. We, we've had this discussion, the, the, the Ben, Michael, and I, of he is the closest thing to one of us you could possibly get as an NFL quarterback, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, basically, it's one of your friends is playing quarterback in the NFL is basically what, what's going on there, which which is a part of his uh, part of his, his appeal, uh, 100%. And he's undersized, all that stuff, 100%. All right, but you got three to one, Jonathan Allen, player of the year. I'm, I'm, I'm a man can of the people I, can myself. Can I derail us real quick, though? Can I go... There is a world. I know you, you took us. You can't derail us because we're not railed. We're, we're not. not we're railed. off the rails. We're already off the rails. <laughs> so there, there is a world, right, where we could have had both the Fitzpatrick and the Heineke experience, where 
Fitzpatrick plays, I don't know, throws nine interceptions in the first three weeks. We don't know how that would have turned out. They were playing good teams and we made the switch to <laughs> Taylor Heineke. And therefore you get, you get a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. That, that after, also this Cow- after this Cowboys game, of course, they would have gone back to Fitzpatrick for the stretch run here. Right. No. Zigging. Ben would have loved it because it would have been zigging and zag. It would have been all kinds of good stuff. Ben would have loved the Steven Montez experience too. Hey, look, you know, you can't, you can't tell me it wouldn't have been good. Can't prove it. Um, I mean, uh, you know, you just never know. All right. Play of the year. Now, not, uh, wait. Okay. All these were mostly good. I'm trying to stay optimistic for, for them, but we're going to get to some negative stuff. Play of the year. Um, I came up with four nominees. Why not? I'll let you go first. Here's what I got. Taylor, Hart, Taylor Heineke's 30 yard scramble touchdown pass to JD McKissick. Uh, in the Atlanta game, it's his fifth option. I still don't know how he pulled that off, but that, uh, you know, saved their season at that point, uh, it, it felt like. Uh, on the negative front, Taylor Heineke's dive at the one-yard line against the Green Bay when they're down 21-7 to midway through the third, it was sort of epitomized like they just kept – they were close, sort of, maybe, I don't know, but they screwed up him getting him going down to the goal at the one when he – easily could have gotten in the end zone and then they get to get stopped on the very next play on fourth down and don't even get the touchdown. This isn't a play, but I'm making it a play. Basically the 19 play 80 yard drive that took 10 minutes and 26 seconds off the clock uh, in the fourth quarter against Tampa after the bucks had closed at 23, 19 Gibson scores a one yard touchdown with 26 seconds left. That was, you know, a huge, huge scenario. It wasn't any one play that was great, but the drive I'm going to count. And then lastly, Brian Johnson, his 48-yard, effectively game-winning field goal with like 30 seconds left against the Raiders, uh, like four days after that he signed, and dudes on the team didn't even know what his name was. That and that was to, to cap the four-game winning streak, which was the last high point that this team has had uh, at, at, at this point. Those are my four nominees. There's other plays, and you can even pick ones that were maybe negative. But why well, not let you go? Which which of those do you pick, or do you have another one? Play of the year that are not plays. I mean, that's he's zagging in the zig right there. No, nope, <laughs> I didn't have drive of the year, so I had to do something with it. Super meta, super meta. Uh, the, the, when when I when you send this list to, to us of of kind of what we were going to talk about, the only play that came to my mind, a play of the year, was the hail mary that Jameis Winston threw that nobody even jumped on defense. Mm-hmm. To me, that's the that that's what encompassed the year of if Jack Del Rio gets canned or other defense defensive coaches get fired and we have a bunch of changes, it's because of that play and just being completely unprepared for that situation in a game that against a team in New Orleans now that is beatable. And I know they lost Jameis Winston, but that was a winnable game that among a few other winnable games this year that that is to me was the play of the year that that you look back and say how did that happen and, and the drive is the drive and 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 when you talk about any positives of the year having a a 10 minute drive is substantial but to me that's that's the one it's the hail mary without anybody jumping uh i mean you know i ha- i'm um, contractually obligated by my high school to say the brian johnson kick as a gonzaga purple eagle was the that's the play of the year. I'm actually not going to say that. That was awesome, by the way. That was very cool for all of us who uh, root for former Purple Eagles. Um, very cool moment. The drive is interesting, Ben. Like the drive kind of epitomized the the identity they had during that winning streak, right? Like uh, what when they were at their best this year, that was how they had to win football games. Like keep the ball away from the other team. 
don't let them beat you. Be relentless. Um, grind out first downs. Like that was awesome to watch. Uh, I'll throw, can I throw one at you that wasn't on the list that probably in terms of just consequence probably isn't that big a deal, but the Terry McLaurin catch, I think in week one, I, I could be wrong. Maybe it was week two, but he had an absolutely outrageous catch yes. down the left side, near sideline. Yeah. Yeah. Heading, I think toward like toward where you guys watch in the press box yep. against the chargers. That, that was the play that made me literally jump off the couch and yell and be like, that was incredible. Um, if we're just talking individual play or individual brilliance, and it's hard to argue against the Heineke one as well in Atlanta, that was a bigger moment because they won a game and, you know, that was a big deal. But the McLaurin one still sticks with me as one that makes you literally like yelp when you see how good it was. It was fantastic. It was really, really good. I'm going to go off the board because I'm in the standing room, so I got a zag. Yep, um, I'm going to take Chase Young forcing a Broncos fumble inside of two minutes in Denver because that that's the whole thing. One, Denver's just running the clock out. All they need is a first down to win. And Chase Young forces the fumble in that situation. I mean, that's just next level athleticism, awareness, all of it against a team that has no business not losing in that situation. All they have to do is run out the clock to win. Chase Young forces a fumble because he is a freak, and he gets in the backfield in like .2 of a second, forces the ball loose, gets Washington a second chance at victory in a game against a team that was not playing well that day in essentially the red zone. I think it was about the 25 or the 30. Tees them up for for what should have been a season-saving win going into the bye week. It didn't happen because Taylor Heineke wasn't wasn't on his game that day. That's that's the whole experience, though. That's the 2021 Washington football team. Like, you know the talent's there. You see it every once in a while. That McLaurin catch is a great example. That was in a loss, too. Like, you, you see it. You, you, you watch them every week. You say, they have NFL-caliber players. I see it. And it just doesn't happen. All right. I, I, I like all the choices. Um we're basically going to have a four-way tie here because uh, it's everybody else. And, and I like the fact that nobody's picked anything I actually went with. So that's fantastic for me, for me and my uh, crew here. It's on brand for your podcast. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to stay on the board because I just feel like somebody should. Uh, I'm going to go with the Heineke. It's your third. board. Of course, you, of course you are. Well, you know, look, I've done crazier. <laughs> I've done crazier things. I'm going to go with the Heineke uh, pass to, to J.D. McKissick. I mean, that was an off the chart moment. The fact that for him, it was happening in Atlanta, his hometown. So for him to win, you know, out to do it anywhere would be great to do it there uh, in front of that crowd and, and, and or, you know, and all that. That, that. that was electric. And, you know, there were multiple times where it felt like Taylor Heineke made some outrageous play to more or less save um, the season. And that was that was absolutely one of them for sure. Plus, that was the game they had a. 2200 guys get hurt we found out later that the trainer the head trainer was 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 about was 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 being investigated by the dea and so on and so on so we didn't necessarily know that part right then but the idea that you know without a win there things could even look a lot bleaker the next day so i went i'll go with taylor heineke uh his touch up and also jd mckissick i mean you know his, his run to get in there as well so I'll go with that one. And, and since it's my podcast, we're going to give me the one point, uh, you know, give me the extra check on that one. So we'll, that, that's probably going to be the winner if I, you know, if I had a guess. Standing tangibles. Yes. Yeah. You know, exactly. Um, all right. Uh, this one, M- M- Michael Phillips, I'm going to lead off with you. I'm calling this the what on earth is happening here award. R- random things that just happened this year. 
I'm sure I'm forgetting something because there was a lot of random things. Here, here, here's what I came up with. The, the, it's, the, the, the smoke, it's the smoke machine. But go ahead and give me your choices. <laughs> well, the, yeah, the first nominee is the smoke machine, which you uh, <laughs> had had uh, great, great fun with for, for sure. And I think the thing that stood out to me about the smoke machine was when you brought it up to the players. I've not seen Terry McLaurin, who's a very poised young man. He couldn't have been more excited to talk about something. It was like an eight-year-old talking about going to see the Avengers or something. He couldn't have been more excited to discuss how insane it is when they run out to the to the field and this they can't even see uh can't even see where they're where they're going. Others on the list, the 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 water leak that the 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 uh, team had needed to tell us was not sewage because that's where everybody thought it was and they made sure to tell us it was not sewage. That that that's somewhere on the list. The the recent topic of these benches that have been transported now to multiple cities to absolute embarrassment on multiple fronts. They took the Cowboys bit and then they lost twice, getting smoked basically both occasions. I, I don't know. And this last one I, it doesn't quite count in this category and in, in part for a variety of reasons, but at least just mention the uh, porta potty picture involving at the Sean Taylor. Somebody, <laughs> just the idea that, that you would have a, a moment to, you know, you're, you're trying to have this, uh, you know, meaningful moment and you take a picture with family members in front of porta potties. Uh, all these things again. There could be others. The the what is what is happening here, War? But Michael sounds like you already have your you already determined your 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 bias going in. You're not even gonna look at the other evidence. You have your it sounds like you have your pick. You know I love the smoke machine story. That's just it. They're, they're, they're blinding guys before they play football <laughs> to hype them up in front of like you know a crowd that's mostly going for the other team. I mean that that's obviously going to be the winner. If you're picking a serious winner, it, it's the Sean Taylor thing in totality because I look there's you know we interact with the fans on Twitter all day long. There's a, a lot of the casual fans have been driven away over the last twenty years. And uh, I don't blame them for bouncing. Um, but the, the fans who have been left, um, the fans who are still there and buying the merchandise and going to the games and in with the team, those are the diehards, man. Like, those are the people, like, they they truly bleed burgundy and gold. And they want this thing. And I, I hope they have happiness and success at, at some point in the next 20 years because, I mean, God knows they deserve it. They've been sticking through this thing. That was a knife to their heart man that was like you know like this this is the latest like these people are going to fix things you know here here are our saviors they've arrived you know please trust these people and for them to botch it that badly and i think the apology was well executed and et cetera, et cetera. but but to take something they love so much and botch it so badly that was a tough moment for the people you count on the most to continue to support this product yeah I- your your very sincere response here is why like, I question myself putting that in with the other things because other things are just pure silly and this is more serious. But the, yeah, that's the, why that's why I voted for the smoke machine. The yeah, smoke yeah, machine. no, understood, understood. You you, yeah, you, you yeah. took you took you took the question in spirit. Go ahead, go ahead, uh, McNally. No, I, I was going to say I I totally agree with that. I mean, you it's it is a knife to the heart of of you, you don't have that many allies left, right? Like it's a franchise that has repeatedly said, this time we're good. This time we'll get it right. How many times under the ownership, under the current ownership, have they said, you know, this time we hired a comp, you know, an established football man to run things. This time we hired a hall of fame coach. This time we hired an up and coming uh, offensive coordinator. 
they've done that multiple times. It, it always, it's always something else. This time we seem to have hired, uh, you know, people who get it, who, who can go on Twitter and interact with the fan base and give good apologies when they mess up and own things. All that stuff is great, but the, the mistakes still happen. And, and it's like, it, it's just got to be deflating when you're always waiting for is my franchise is the team I've you know dedicated most of my life to rooting for going to going to um, you know show me that they are capable of running things correctly and it's Lucy with the football right like Charlie Brown trying to kick the football it just never happens um, and so I think that has to be deflating for me I'll I'll pivot a little bit I mean to me the trainer thing is is the one that stands out as like. <laughs> What when you're going, what is happening here? That's just so out of left field that you know, I, I understand PR mistakes and rushing out thing. I understand some of what happened with the Sean Taylor thing. Uh, the trainer thing is just you know, a, a trusted lieutenant of the head coach is just pulled out of the building by the DEA. Like that, that just that is not something I could have created in my. I I'm a person who knows the franchise, right? I know anything could happen. I didn't know that could happen. Like I had no clue that could happen. And so I'll, I'll go with the, that as my choice. So little, you were not expecting a little inside beat writing at every game. We check off all the players on the roster and at every practice, we look on the sidelines, whether they're playing or not, are all the players here? Cause if they're not there, it might be an indication, something up, something's up with them. And we need to check on them. Never once have I roll called the trainers. No, no, I don't roll call the equipment guys. I don't, you know, all, all important people, by the way. I do now. (laughs) I do. We do now. We, it's got to be done. So man, what are we doing here? What would, Brian, would you have thought that DEA night at the Washington Nationals game would have corresponded with a DEA raid in Ashburn? No, that that's, this is absolutely the, what are we talking about here? But the fact that Ben had to bring up, this isn't sewage, because that was the second time there was a, a leak at the stadium. And the first time it was some sort of toilet water sewage the first time in the season opener. And then it had to be another time that we were told this wasn't sewage. The place is literally falling apart at the seams. There's not a new stadium deal. What is happening here? And, and, and we've had this discussion, all of us, of who's still going to be on this team, coaching this team, by the time we have a new stadium. I, I just hope we have a new stadium because everything is falling apart and the place is a hellhole. You know what? Great, great, uh, great arguments all the way around. This is like this is why this is this pod. This is the the, the McLaughlin group of, uh, of 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 quartets here for this podcast. I don't even know what to pick myself at this point. I'm I'm gonna I'm, I'm what's that? Like the McLaughlin group, we're all white. That's obviously that's, that's, that's a while ago. Wow, there we go. Um, at the end. I, know, I always think a wino is sort of the Eleanor Clift of the beat. I don't know. Um, I just figured I, I was the Ringo star of this group. I don't. I, I, that's I, all I was figuring. I've never seen the McLaughlin group, so I, I do not catch the reference. I'll, I'll I was going to say your 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 audience is right now just tuning out in droves. It's like what? <laughs> fine, can we? Uh, wino went to the '60s, so I guess that's cool. But great. All right, we went well, from the '80s to the '60s. Who wants to make like a Andrew's sisters reference? Let's go. Let's do some World War II shtick. Oh well, look, I can I can go straight Gilligan's. I can go. We, we can go straight <laughs> Gilligan's Island. I'll call, call one of you the professor. 
Um, all right, I'll, I'll go. I'll, I'll just to, to give us a winner here. I'll go with the smoke machine as well. Amazing fun. It was ridiculous, preposterous on every level uh, imaginable. All right, let's do a little football here. Uh, questionable football choice of the year. Again, a lot of category, a lot of nominees. I got five here really quickly. They gave Brandon Scherf, uh, Brandon Scherf a second tag. Uh, it doesn't seem like, I mean, it played out kind of the way we thought it would play out. He's good, and he gets hurt a lot, and he's probably not going to come back because it's going to be too much money. I would have just tried to figure out something that, or that at that point to move on with him in some way or shape or form. They didn't. All right, there's that. Uh, not trading up for a quarterback in the draft. I'd say specifically Justin Fields. Uh, that's, I think, uh, something that obviously a lot of people thought should happen. Cutting Dustin Hopkins to specifically pick up a kicker who had not kicked in any capacity since 2016, and we saw how that unfolded for Chris Blewett. Um, not moving Landon Collins immediately to the box safety linebacker role that he ultimately moved to. That ultimately did prove to be his better role, but they waited till week five or six to do that. And then I would say lastly, to the point of the trainer, at the point that this thing happens, they never went out and got more trainer help. At least they, they brought in, uh, brought back training interns and 80 year old Bubba Tire. So those are five. Again, you could come up with a lot of other ones as well. Those are five that stood out to me. Uh, if it's me, I'm going to go with the Landon Collins one. When they start off two and six and the defense was terrible the first half of the year, I wonder if they just day one said, Cam Curl's playing safety, Landon Collins is doing his other thing. Does the defense get going quicker? I think yes, based on how things unfolded, and maybe they're not in the position they're in now where they're having to pray that they can get into the playoffs. So that's where I would go. Uh, Phillips, uh, would, would you one of those nominees, or you got a, you got one of your own? No, I'll, I'll work with the board here. Uh, I'm, I'm a team player. This is like FDR's fireside chat, you know. I just I'm, I'm gonna make a progressively older reference each time. And we'll uh, we'll work our way back to like a Woodrow Wilson or something. Um, It's the most important position in sports. It's the quarterback. And um, who's to say how it would have turned out with Fitzpatrick? But I I think ultimately we agree it would not have been like a a great season. They wouldn't be they would they wouldn't be sitting on eleven and six with Fitzpatrick. I, th- I think we can all agree on that. Um, Certainly not with how the defense ultimately played. They weren't even close. Like it was going to be Fitzpatrick yeah. with a top ten defense. What does that do for you instead? Yeah. Obviously. So I, I would I would deem you know it's all hypothetical, but I would deem Fitzpatrick not a satisfactory solution to the problem of you need a quarterback to win in the NFL right now. Um, I would say not you know not trade not getting one in the draft and not pushing the chips further in to try to get Matt Stafford. I, th- I think those are your two things. You you have to have a quarterback. Ron was spoiled in Carolina, walked in, had Cam Newton on day one, had Cam Newton every year. He was there. He's quickly learning without a quarterback. You don't go very far in this sport. Why now? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to go granular on the kicker thing. And maybe this is losing the forest for the trees because I, I don't know that they lost multiple games because of the kicker situation, but you, there's not, there are not 32 good kickers in the NFL. I think they had one of the top 25 kickers in the NFL and Dustin Hopkins, but it's just one of those situations where Ron Rivera didn't seem to like what he saw in Dustin Hopkins and he threw him overboard and maybe they got lucky with getting Joey Sly and then he tore his hamstring. And then all of a sudden you got Brian Johnson and no one knows his name, but he he made a big kick and that's great. But I think for the little margins of, of a game, they, they made a mistake in getting rid of a kicker who was here, was liked, and was pretty good. Did, I would just say to your point on the you, kicker. Yeah. Did you see that Blewett got a tryout the other day? Uh, for Which league? 
Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. <laughs> the Arizona Cardinals brought him in for a tryout. Well, I mean, he now has kicked in the league since in the last five years. I mean, has they, he kicked anything over the line? Do the Arizona Cardinals hate their offensive linemen? That's the question we need to ask. <laughs> it is a good question. I, I would say, like, to me, that was the most panicky moment of the year for Ron Rivera that we could that we know of because it made I get getting rid of Hopkins. But it felt like it was a move he wanted to try to send a message in some way. It was also the same week he told us about the Landon Collins move. It felt like he was saying to everybody, hey, we're doing things. That was just a poor choice to go to a kicker who had literally no experience. Um, you, you could say he blew it. You could. You could You, you could, could say you could, that. You could do that. I, I choose you could not say to. that. Uh, so maybe, I would uh, – yeah, I would go like the sheriff thing. I don't know, man. You're buying a year with a good player, and they had the money. Like I, I'm less concerned about that. You're probably screwing over the team that's that has to sign him this coming off season, right? You're not going to tag him again. So I don't know. I I get some of the criticism there. He's not, you know, he gets hurt a lot and all that kind of stuff. But it's probably just more to the point. The odds of him staying here now are probably out the window because he's not going to sure. take less money to stay. And you could have just thrown the money at him then. Instead, now it's what it is. Anyway, keep going. Yep. No, this team has had issues locking players up for sure. We we uh, we've Not gone good through with that the franchise tag mul- multiple times. Yep. Um, the the you know I think the quarterback thing they did try right. Like I, there is some you know uh, what what's the what's the phrase? Why no? You you try. I mean they tried. It didn't work. They they tried. You, you tried your money. best and you failed miserably. Yeah. The I lesson mean, is never try. The lesson is never try. But so the quarterback thing I felt. Obviously, it was on the radar. They they wanted to execute it. They didn't execute it. You go back to that well again this year. So I, I give them not a pass, but like it. It's not like they ignored it and said, "Now nah, we're good with what we have." Um, you know, the I think the Hopkins thing in the the granular just this year, it just felt like a distraction from the from training camp. It's like every single kick, if this guy misses. You know, he missed an extra, a couple extra points early in the year. Every single time it was like, well, you know, that might be it for him. And I just don't know. I don't know how that, how that was a good thing for the team. You had a competent kicker. You didn't have the best kicker. You didn't have a top 10 kicker. You had a kicker who wouldn't get every kick blocked and you didn't have to bring in multiple guys off the street. And sometimes NFL teams just, you know, they're, their kicker isn't quite good enough and they're willing to roll the dice, but when the margins are so thin, maybe stick with the guy who, you know, has actually won you a few games. Yes. He's probably not going to hit a 52 yarder. You know, he's not Justin Tucker. I, we get it. Like you, you can upgrade there, but you have to know you're upgrading. And, and it just felt like they were itching to make that move the entire season. Um, and then it just eventually pulled the plug and they didn't get better. They got worse, way worse. And then the guy's going and kicking well for other teams. So I don't know. To me, that in the granular, smaller, you know, it, it's not as big picture as some of the other stuff, but it it probably had, you know, the uh, the bigger short-term effect, I guess. This, this raises a broader point, though, of is Ron Rivera, the GM, fit for the job? We understand that Ron Rivera, the coach, is doing good work, and Ron Rivera, the team president, is doing good work, and both of those guys should stay. But the number of people in the NFL who can be the coach and the GM is just insanely, insanely small. He got the power. He, you know, that that's something he wanted. But we have to ask, is Ron Rivera, the GM, succeeding at his position? 
And I, I think that, that waiting on that kicker move was a perfect example of why it's really, really hard to do both jobs. I mean, that's I mean, yeah, part of that is it's the two jobs have different mindsets. One got one is about winning that moment. One's about the the bigger picture. And it felt like that was a, com- a one where it didn't quite, you know, the, the two, the two mindsets did not uh, work there. All right, let's move on to the next category. Um, speaking of Ron Rivera, why no? The Ron Rivera moment of the year. Now there are so many, and I was, I, I was going down this quickly. I, I'm hundred percent. I'm leaving out 50 options. Here are four I came up with. Some of these are bits and some of these are moves he did. One, he he re, he revamped the whole front office. He brought in Marty Herney and Martin Mayhew and he and he sent out Kyle Smith. Um, he came up with the David versus Goliath and he had he came up with the actual rock and they've been throw, they were thrown out through the whole four-game winning streak. And look, if they had if this thing had kept going and there was momentum, everybody would be throwing rocks in this town. Uh, probably is a bad thing to do in, in, in general, but people were getting excited by the rock throwing. Um, then there was the you know, I was thinking about things he has said, his famous guys, 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 quote, what about, I didn't believe that was about Curtis Samuel, um, asking all the questions about what's going on with him, that that stood out. And then we uh, the kicker choice, we won't have to go through that again, but I, I put that as my my fourth nominee. Why, why no, what one of those stands out? Or yes, pick something else I didn't go. Because in this category, there are definitely tons of options. Ben, 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 it's definitely the Curtis Samuel thing. There's no doubt about it. And, 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 and it was the moment because it was one of the first moments this season where we saw Ron Rivera get kind of tight about something and, and, and kind of, I want to say get offended, but get bothered by a line of questioning that he, he almost had a little bit of a honeymoon period of the, the first season coming in and they win the division and all of that, that it's finally like, this sounds ridiculous. And, and he's getting all these questions because it is ridiculous and he doesn't want to handle it at that time. And, and I think it was one of those moments where we saw Ron Rivera wanting to control the messaging on something. And then narrator enters, but maybe he should have. And then it turns out he did have surgery that, that, that nobody addressed until months later. And the Curtis Samuel thing was a complete lost season. And to me, that was the moment that encapsulated everything about the Curtis Samuel disaster. McNally, do you have thoughts? My thoughts are, I think the rock throwing was the, in part, in part, I think, because you had a team that could have mailed it in, right? Two and six, man, you, two and six, it's easy. Two two and 10 is one block away, right? All you got to do is not try that hard. All you got to do is tune out your coaches Blah blah blah. I don't care what you know what these guys are saying. I'm not going to be here anyway. And Chase I Young think, tore his ACL while you were still two and six. It was in the cabinet. Well, he tore. He tears his ACL. Right. There, there is something we we can be critical. Absolutely, be critical of Ron for any number of things. But getting NFL players, getting grown men at that level to buy into stuff, to have fun, to embrace kind of a yeah, it's kind of a, a cheesy shtick, I guess. But like. Not when everybody's into it and firing the rock at the wall and having fun and all that kind of stuff. Like again, when you're two and six and things can go south and and south for everybody, um, and jobs start becoming on the line and you start becoming a you know a national embarrassment and all that stuff, to get them to rally back to six and six and embrace it, to me that that shows that Ron Ron still got that aspect of it. Ron was a player at that level and can, can uh, show people or, or get, get men to follow him 
when it seems like they should be tuning him out and uh, and moving on. And uh, and they didn't. And I do think that's a credit to him. And if you leave this season with anything positive, that that should be one of them. And the the whole rock throwing bit was uh, was part of that, I think. I, I think Scoop's right. I think the Ron moment of the year is him rallying the troops from two and six when everybody had written the season off. I, th- I think that's very, very impressive what, what he was able to do there. But, you, you know, Curtis Samuel, um, I lumped that in with uh, his quote a couple of weeks ago uh, when, when we had asked about the trainer situation, would Ryan Vermillion come back at any point? He said, yeah, I hope, I hope so. You know, we really hope so. Like that dude is loyal to a fault. Like he, he goes – he goes to bat for his guys. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes he's like, that is not a, that, not a good idea, Ron. Um, but, but his players love him and his players fight for him. There's no doubt about that. It's like so, Michael, did those, go, those go hand in hand then, right? Yeah. Like they, they, those two things are, you don't get the rock throwing maybe without the um, giving Samuel, my players cover. Samuel and Ryan Vermillion. Yeah, no, right. no, no question. Absolutely. Yeah. And and the rock throwing thing, what like like let's not t- for all the ripping I just did around Rivera for the Curtis Samuel thing. He this is a, a he found a motivating tool, and and if you had any kind of organic way of naming the team, they could be the Washington Davids next year. And and like the teams used to always name after like wacky nicknames and newspaper headlines. You could have the Washington Davids instead of whatever stupid thing they've actually come up with. Um, but but the the low light Ron moment of the year is, is the benches. Obviously, it, it couldn't be anything <laughs> other than the benches. It didn't uh, go well. It, it, it just didn't go. So just, like that's like the rock throwing shtick. If they had lost both rock throwing games, and he had just kind of quietly put the rock back in his pocket, except the benches were just right there for everybody. To <laughs> right. And um, I will just say, like to tie it into where we are right now, the rallying of the troops. That's what made this last Dallas game so jarring. Not that they even lost, but the yeah. but the but the but the skirmish on the sideline, and then just how they really did seem to fall apart. This will be what these last few games to me are interesting. And I think Rivera said this himself. Do they get off the mat? Because if they don't, and this is this one game is not just a blip, but a, a statement on where they are. That's a problem going into the offseason, because to that point, he had done a very good job of keeping the troops together, despite all the craziness that's gone on um, since he's been here. All right, let's go. Well, I got a few more here. Let's speak. Bonus, okay. bonus Ron fun fact turns 60 next week. Oh, wow. Happy early birthday. There we go. I look, I look forward to a youthful uh, sixty for Ron. Look forward to our giving him a cake over Zoom um, next week. Um, all right, we'll, we'll go through this one 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 quick bummer of the year. Just pick pick what's your bummer of the year. Uh, Chase Young, just nothing nothing worked out for him. Curtis Samuel, clearly nothing worked out for him. Ryan Fitzpatrick, he plays less than two quarters. Whatever was going to happen, we didn't get to see it. And then the draft class in totality, don't tell me John Bates and Cameron Cheeseman, the class as a whole at this point has just been completely underwhelming. Um, bummer of the year. I, I'll, I'll go with Chase Young because whatever you thought the team was going to be, it was on that guy. He was the face of everything, and then it doesn't work out. He misses. He skips the skips the mini camps. Uh you know, the, he doesn't do much from a player perspective. Then the ACL putting, you know, we don't quite know where, where he'll be when he comes back. So for me, Chase Young, considering what he represented, the bummer of the year. Why now? Yeah, I mean, I, it, it is Chase Young. I, I'm going to I'm gonna give a vote to the people who bought Ryan Fitzpatrick jerseys uh, before he had played a single game. Uh, and, and, and we did see a few of them at FedEx Field during the season opener. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that the bummer in looking at what Ryan Fitzpatrick could have been and how fun that story could have been if he were good at it 
and, and what maybe the steady hand would have been early in the year and just never seeing it, it happen is we'll see Chase Young as much as it stinks this year. We'll see Chase Young in a Washington uniform unless they trade him for whatever reason. And and, and we, we know that there's a future there. Ryan Fitzpatrick may not play in another NFL game again. And that's a bummer. You uh, you need more from your first round pick. Like you can't not be playing your first round pick for other guys um, who aren't as talented and weren't picked that high. So I'm tempted to go with Jamin Davis. Like then again, it's year one and I don't want to look like a, a be on old takes exposed or whatever in two years when he's a pro bowl alternate and it was a totally fine pick. Uh, so I'll go with Chase Young because I'm scared. <laughs> I'll stick with Chase. I mean, it's just disappointing all the way around. The numbers weren't there. Um, you know, it's not just the, the injury, but also the production. Um, it, it's hard. Given the expectations, it's hard to go with anything other than than Chase just falling, you know, falling short when he, during the time he was healthy of, of what you would have hoped and expected and people spent all summer talking about and then you know, just not, it's just not there. And and you better hope for the, uh, the Bosa bounce next year, whenever he recovers and, and that he can make that leap. But I mean, what, what he was putting out there this year was, was not, not good enough. I don't think so. It's a bummer of the year for me. The Chase Young thing was a total bummer because it had shades of all the stories we've seen here before he go, you know, he skips OTAs to go film commercials. He's talking a big game before the season. He seems to be cozy with ownership in a way that he's not with the coach. Just like, you know, and and it's it's in the same way that I will continue to go to the map for Robert. That I think Robert was at his core a good guy who was misled. Like you just you see these things coming from a distance, and you just you just want to jump in front of it. No, like there's a really good transformative football player in there and you just hope he doesn't get caught up in whatever this machine is that chews people up and spits them back out and michael it it may just be that this that level of expectation on a 21 22 year old is just it's not sustainable right like that only the total freaks only the guys who are wired to deal with it can deal with it correctly because you know we there are elements of the the RG3 saga in there and not I'm not comparing them. I don't think Chase is going to come back next year and it's going to be 2013 Robert or it's different positions, right? There's plenty of time for him to make plenty of pro bowls and be a great player. So I'm not hitting the panic button, but that that is like we should acknowledge that is an obstacle for high, high draft picks with that much exposure dating back to their college days to overcome. You don't just, you don't just shake it off and, you know, uh, so anyway, that's, that to me is, uh, is, is story. I don't know, one, a one B next year. What, when he's back, what, what chase young are you getting? And is he ready to make that leap toward what we thought he was going to be this year? Right. To me, more than the physical play, the maturity, the the understanding of the, he, sure. he, the his lack of urgency going into that Tampa game at two and six to me was jarring, uh, and it was it, it was very it made me question what was going on here. And then, of course, obviously, we don't know how the second half would have unfolded for him, but that's the way it went. All right, just to speed things up, this is a one vote. Uh, only one person gets a vote here. Michael, random dude of the year. 
Here are the nominees I have. <laughs> Chris Blewett, Garrett Gilbert, John Toth, and I'm including Samus Reyes, but he was, you know, he was here the whole year. He's like part of the family. These other guys were like, wait, what, what was that guy's <laughs> name again? But uh, but those those are the nominees. Or I, I don't, there may be somebody else I'm forgetting, but those four seem to stand out. Yeah, we may hear from Samus Reyes again. Uh, and John Toth was a male model. That was a fun, you know, day. Um, Garrett Gilbert will pull up like Josh Johnson from time to time. Remember when that happened. But the answer is the got to be the only kicker in the history of the NFL to twice hit his offensive lineman in the back of the head with a kick in his first two games. It's Chris Blewett. He's got the name. He's got the story. He's the winner. The, 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 everybody has seen, I'm sure, the, the clip of him on The Simpsons when uh, Lisa basically yells at Ralph and you can see, you literally see his heart breaking. That's what I felt when Michael asked Blewett about his last name and Blewett refused to play at all. I could see Michael's heart breaking in that moment. He was very upset that, 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 that Blewett had no sense of humor at all about the situation. You know, you know, it's coming. He didn't want to, want to play. Uh, I, I would agree. Blewett is, uh, is, is the answer. Um, two categories left. This, the, this place award. All the stuff that goes on at this place that we're like, really? This place? Unbelievable. Here we go. The name change video, the Jason Wright, Ron Rivera, Martin Mayhew are sitting in there. They pick three names. They bleep out the names. Everybody then tries to figure out what they said. Then they put names up on a board, which were or were not the finalists. But everybody, I mean, literal actual news outlets said they were. They had to put out retraction statements. That was crazy. By the way, we've had no videos since that one. Uh, the, the subsequent thing that came off of that the tanya snyder interview with adam schefter that part of it was that whole thing adam schefter says about the names she's like oh was, are they are they out there and he's like yes rattles off the names they had to then retract that statement plus she gave absolutely no sympathetic notes of any kind to the even though he tried to set her up to the to the women who have cited um various forms of, of harassment while employed there and otherwise uh, you know, Tanya Snyder, her first real step out into the into the public like that didn't go so great. We already mentioned the Sean Taylor ceremony that goes on the list. The Ryan Vermillion situation that goes on the list. And um, lastly, and this is something that didn't happen this year per se, but the email, the, the, the NFL wide email scandal, very much this place, is, you know, front and center on that because of all the connections with Bruce Allen it brought up it, re, it brought up the harassment situation again because it was all tied into the investigation into Washington. So I will pep count it for this year. So those are the five nominees. Uh, why know you being the uh, the hardcore news person here? Would you like to uh, give us your your winner? Yeah, and 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 I actually like I'll go off the board a little bit. It, it I thought it was the Sean Taylor thing of just of course this place, of course this organization could screw this up, and it's of all the things on on earth. The Sean Taylor thing was the biggest layup. And we got, you guys have talked about this earlier is that that was the biggest layup for the franchise and to screw it up that badly is incredible. The name change video is, is the honorable mention for me because it was just, it, it was a combination of the organization screwing something up that shouldn't have been screwed up, trying to do the right thing. And then everybody kind of like, not us, not those of us who cover the team on a daily basis, but media outlets kind of overreacting and flipping out and the fan base flipping out. And everybody kind of wanting to know something and it basically being this giant like puzzle that there's not actually an answer to. So to me, that, that's got to be this. This place is is it. And I just can't wait for there to be a stupid name for this team. 
By the way, I don't even have a category for what's going to be the stupid name for this team. So the the two tie together because you have to ask yourself: Do you trust these administration this administration to name a football team for the next fifty years in, in a way that's going to like really resonate with the fan base? McNally? No, the answer is no. I do I mean, not. I do not. You have, so same same question. Why no got? Yeah. Essentially. The, wait, yeah, yeah. Uh, wait, hang on. This is the lightning round, standing. Come on. No, that's all good. Lightning round. What, 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 what are you doing here? You asking two people to answer the lightning round question? Well, I mean, you know, this is this is a big this is a big topic. <laughs> I I would say I think Wino was touching around this aspect. The um, so you mentioned the Tanya Snyder Schefter interview. I go further than that. Remember the reporting that came out of the owners meetings um, that the apology in the room kind of went over like a lead balloon, right? These are the people that, you know, presumably save the team for the family, right? Uh, If if we're being honest, Roger, you know, with the the way the investigation played out, no public report and all that kind of stuff. the, the most important thing, other than the state getting the stadium correct, the name is going to be whatever the name is, but other than getting the stadium correct, is that the organization understands all the scandals and all the stuff that went on in the years prior and came out in the, in the Washington Post reporting and other outlet outlets reporting in 2020 and 2021. Uh, if if the apologies are tone deaf, if they are not real, if they don't really understand what happened, if they think they were wronged, right? If if ownership thinks it was wronged in some way, that's that's game over for me. None of this other stuff matters. Nothing that what happens on the field doesn't matter. The name doesn't matter. The stadium doesn't matter. You you have to own that stuff that went on under your watch for two decades, whatever, however long you want to say it. And the reporting that came out of the owners meetings eh, put that into question. And so to me, that, that is the one that maybe, um, and the Schefter interview too, you know, again, that was a, a, a tone deaf kind of way to address the, the entire topic. But to me, that's, that's the one that, that makes me go, wait a minute, because you, you might have, you might have 30, 40 more years with these folks, right? So if they don't get that, if they don't understand why people were right justifiably outraged and, um, and all of that, I mean, none of this other stuff matters because the team is in the hands of people that won't, um, you know, that aren't, aren't capable of, of seeing things correctly. So that, that, that to me stood out and maybe was the most jarring part of uh, of a what was a jarring season. Um, I'll, I will agree uh, with, uh, with with uh, my uh, former uh, coworker. Well, yeah, multiple time coworker there uh, on that one. All right, so I, I took the hint from Phillips to hurry the f up. So I'll just say that the. Uh, I just object to the branding of the lightning round when no such lightning was. was well, I, I gave you the, I gave you the one vote in the other one because it's it is singularly a, a, a Michael Phillips topic, and uh, there was no point in hearing other any other arguments. Um, like heat lightning, you know, in heat lightning in the summer where it happens like every like twenty minutes. 
It's a heat lightning round. So that was like rolling thunder, like a, like the Fourth of July <laughs> thing in DC. The, the the last category I had, and we don't have to necessarily answer per se, is like what will you remember most ultimately from this year? And I had just Taylor Heineke's journey, the win over the Bucks, this last Cowboys game, including the 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 the, the punch on the sideline, the COVID outbreak, um, probably a lot of other things. But you don't have to answer that per se. But I guess it's to say as we as we go, everybody can just if they want to say something great, just what what for you as we sit here now on December 29th, when you look back on this season and you think about this year, I should say in Washington football team, what to you is the lasting memory, the thing that stands out, what, what your, what your, what's your takeaway? Michael's got his hand up. What you got? Yeah, it's, un, it's unresolved for me because it's off the field. This was the year to me. I felt like we learned Dan Snyder would own this team for the rest of his life. That, that, you know, if, if they couldn't did had no interest in bringing him down, with the, with the things that were on the table that he would own this team forever. And then you got a little bit of a, a, a crack in that facade there with the emails coming out with, with the, you know, the women continuing to come forward that that maybe isn't quite the case. Um, but I, you know, I, to me, the number one question coming into this year was who would own the football team at the end of the year? The answer is Dan Snyder. I think it's Dan Snyder in perpetuity, but, but the last couple of months have caused me to say, Let's slow down on that a bit. Maybe this is a story that's going to roll into 2022. I would uh, I would agree with that. I mean, this, the stadium is uh, maybe next year's topic, right? If we know the Snyders yeah. are owning the team, then it becomes, for me, what where do they play going forward? Because that determines kind of the identity of the entire franchise. You can deal with a bad owner. You keep to a certain extent, you can't really deal with a bad owner uh, or an owner who doesn't know how to win. I guess a better way to, to phrase it with, uh, with a bad game day experience, which fans have put up with for 20 year, 20 plus years. Now that's got to change going forward. And that's got to be the number one non, you know, on field thing. Um, so that, that again, maybe I'm, I'm pushing forward more toward next year. So I'll, I'll stick with that. But that, that to me is the next bit. We know, we know, have a general sense of what's going to happen with ownership. Not totally, maybe, but we need to know about where they're going to play and what they're going to be and what they're going to be called and all that good stuff that, that matters to how fans view the team that they love. I'm, I'm, story of 22 well, is the stadium for sure. I completely, the, the story for us, I'm going to go take behind the people behind the curtain here to me is the giant media tent that we have in Ashburn that so so just just to, to, to quickly say we used to have a trailer that was kind of a, a sort of a building that that was kind of the place for reporters to kind of go while practice is going on or not allowed to watch and, and it's all in kind of a structure and that because of the pandemic was turned into locker rooms and extra kind of spaces for the team and now there is a giant white tent that is either too hot or too cold or too loud for us to do anything at any given time. And I remember Terry McLaurin coming in with the, the, the hoodie on when it was warm in there and, and we had the air conditioner off and then it's freezing and, and, and Michael and, and our colleagues can't like stay there because it's too cold to work. And it's just to me, whatever this organization does, they manage to screw it up somehow. And even the best efforts of, of kind of what happens there, it, it just somehow doesn't work. And to me, that's my redeeming memory of the season other than the Hail Mary and all the other wacky things we discussed. 
Michael Phillips, colder. What's colder, the tent or the Superdome press box? (laughs) (laughs) The Superdome press box, but the Superdome press box doesn't get hot in the summer, too. You know, like the Superdome press box is the coldest place in all of professional sports. (laughs) I think Jerry Brewer once said it's colder than the Winter Olympics. And I, I think that's a great way to sum up the Superdome press box. By the way, the press box in Vegas at a similar height, but they don't put the air conditioner right on top of it. It's a very nice touch. Very luxurious. Very very good. And by the way, shout out to the PR staff who uh, did their best to deal with the tent situation. Just, you know. Yeah, again, we're we're not blaming the PR staff. No, no. They're they're trying to do their best out of a bad situation. And there's just a lot of bad situations to deal with. Didn't did, didn't say didn't didn't say you were. I was just you know just wanted to give them a shout out because I'm sure they're listening. Uh, you guys gave really good answers. I'll just say to the point of like we we learned something this year. We learned that despite all the best efforts of of the world to try to make this situation happen, that no matter what, they are never going to play Troy Apke at cornerback. No matter what happens, it doesn't matter. They will never, ever, never, ever, never, ever, never, never, ever, ever play him at cornerback. So no, no more, no more training camp stories of, Oh, trap. You look so bad back there. Never. He doesn't, he doesn't deserve that either. He seems like a nice kid. He doesn't, he doesn't deserve what would happen. (laughs) There there you go. All right. Well, what's going to happen here is we're going to wrap up you guys uh, as expected. What a fantastic McLaughlin group uh, uh, show. This was fantastic. I really appreciate it. Michael Phillips, Richmond times dispatch, Steve Wino, associated press, Brian McNally, NBC sports, Washington, Appreciate it, fellas. Uh, enjoy. Uh, Happy New Year. Good luck in 2022. May all your tents be room temperature. See you Sunday. All right. That's it for this episode of the Standard Room Only Podcast. Um, the, uh, like, as I said, we'll, we'll be back. Uh, well, I don't know if we'll be back for another podcast this week, but, you know, it is New Year's. So let me just say Happy New Year to everybody. Stay safe. It's obviously, you know, things have gotten a little bit crazier again with regards to uh, the COVID situation. Be, be safe. I hope everybody's taking care of themselves in whatever, uh, whatever way that's conceivable for you. Um, and um, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll keep, we'll keep talking about this team. We'll keep, I'll keep writing about this team uh, one way or the other. There's still plenty to discuss, even if there's only two games to go in the regular season. And perhaps that's the, the likely scenario. That's it. The off season, there's lots to discuss. So we'll do that all here on the standard group only podcast going forward um but that's it for now happy new year again ben standing signing off until next time well, next year see ya